Welcome to In the Pines, a monthly podcast covering the mysterious, weird, and sometimes unbelievable stories that happen in the place where people love to find solace, the great outdoors. I'm Nikki, and a few hundred miles to myself is... Pox Holiday. And guess what? It's live and in color, not just on phone. We're actually zooming it this time. Yeah. Nikki finally got to see what Pox Holiday looks like. And as I told you, I'm sorely disappointed you didn't show up with the bag on your head, but we'll let it slide, I guess. So as you phrased it, you said, I'm disappointed. Oh, yeah, that was right. Pause. <laughs> that you didn't have a paper bag. Long pause. And it was just like, I'm disappointed. It was just like, I was like. Fuck you. Fuck <laughs> you, West Virginia Hick. Camera off. Goodbye. Or, or as Jeffrey Tubin said, I thought I had my camera muted. Oops. Although I was very impressed when I first got on that it, that you didn't have Fox Holiday's name. You had P. Diddy. So that made my day. I was like, where are you at? All I see is the word P. Diddy. So. <laughs> well, actually, moments before you... Uh, showed up in the room it had my real name on it because <laughs> i'm using my work account so oh there you go whatever and meanwhile mine has my full name on it but you know whatever oh yeah yeah i i have uh the internet in my house finally yeah uh, some, some people don't know that I, i've lived for the better part of a decade without having real actual internet at my house um and uh thanks to uh uh, a certain Texan uh, who has a uh, space company. Uh, uh, I have satellite internet now. That actually is really good. So I can actually do a Zoom. Yay! Yeah. Oh, and I can actually also violate several copyright laws, as according to Twitch, when I tried to play a radio station the other day. Listen, it was so good, though, and F the copyright laws, because I enjoyed it. Like I said, all five people who heard it, congratulations. Life has been really weird lately. I don't know about you, but it definitely has for me. So yeah. it's like, yeah. we haven't actually like got to chat in what, a little over a month now. And so it's, oh, yeah. like, it's like, life's just been really weird the past month besides everything that's been in the news, but just like in general. And it's just, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we both yeah, kind of yeah. look like shell-shocked individuals currently. <laughs> <laughs> we are both completely, yeah, it's, we're, you could tell it's like Saturday after a week of hell. No, it's uh, Sunday. Oh, no, it is Saturday, isn't it? It better be Saturday. It oh, is Jesus Saturday. Christ. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you scared the shit out of me no. for a second. Listen, oh. I told you I was oh. up to one thirty last night working on this, and I was delusional, so therefore <laughs> still delusional oh. today. I got you beat. I was up watching the George Lucas talk show live stream until 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. How was that? It was insane. And, was and, it? and to try... And to try and tell anyone, hey, you should go check this out, would just be uh, the end of a friendship. (laughs) I was curious, because when I got up this morning, I was just, like, scrolling through Twitter, and then I just saw, like, a shit ton of tweets from you. I'm like, and it said, like, I mean, from, like, five hours ago, four hours ago, and I was like, damn, how long did that thing go? Volkswagen apparently made two cars, Mm -hmm. um, one designed, like, a light side and one designed for the dark side. And it was this huge campaign. And when you check Twitter, only three people had had used the hashtags that that Volkswagen had spent all this money to promote at this big Star Wars convention. And 
three people had used the hashtag. So they decided that they wanted to take it over. And so that's why in, in, in a span of a minutes, it was like 150 tweets had happened. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm going to, I'm probably going to go back and delete some of those because they were kind of <laughs> in the moment. <laughs> You're going to go, maybe this was not the choice. <laughs> yeah. By the time this comes out, they might be gone, but, uh, <laughs> but it was fun. It's, it's, it's fun to be part of a live stream and, yeah. uh, and, and to, and for it to be so interactive. Yeah. Um, that, that's the one thing I think the pandemic brought us that, uh, I hope doesn't go away or live stream shows of places I can't go like, you know, Los Angeles. Yeah. I still have to like check out because there's actual episodes of the George Lucas talk show on YouTube, right? Oh yeah. 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 yeah so it, I need to yeah. like actually check that out and see if it's something I'd be into. I don't know. I love dead eyes so much. It's a good possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, well, like always, we've spent a lot of time talking about someone else's podcast. <laughs> Naturally. Um, <laughs> so, uh, would you like for me to go ahead and start? Oh, darn you, Zoom. I won't minimize you. I will maximize Word. Oh. Um, maximize yeah. your life, remember? <laughs> maximize my life. Minimize your purse size. OB tampons. <laughs> or deep cup. <laughs> <laughs> OB tampons, like, they always look like the ones that you're like, oh, mm -hmm. those were like the first ones, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and this was the prehistoric like, ones, right? Yeah. 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 The, like yeah, the non-applicator. And it's like, oh, ooh, God, like more power to you. But who? <laughs> who is this actually for? Who is this customer base? Oh, God. Well, all right. So on top of that, uh, we've talked about tampons. Cool. <laughs> exactly. Tampons, other people's podcasts. And here come the great Rocky Mountains. Yay. Huge on Denver. Rocky Mountains. Hi. The Rocky Mountains make up the largest mountain system in North America, uh, stretching from British Columbia and Canada and then plunging 3,000 miles southward to the headwaters of the Pecos River in New Mexico. The system ranges from about 70 miles to 300 miles in width. In addition to New Mexico, the Rockies travel through several other states, including Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Utah, and Colorado. And this includes over 100 distinct ranges of mountains are included in the, in the Rocky Mountains. The highest point is uh, Mount Elbert in Colorado, 14,440 feet. The lowest point is the Aracuri River, in which is also in Colorado, and that's at 3,315 feet. The Aracari River actually flows over into Kansas. So to kind of give you an idea of like how far over the, the Rockies go into Colorado. Okay, so, so since this is an overview of the Rockies and it's a place that a lot of people know about and are familiar with in, some, in one way or another, maybe I'm just going to give them more of like a timeline of the Rockies. Which I am all for. <laughs> Boom. Somewhere between 70 to 90 million years ago, the mountains are formed. <laughs> By the way, and, I really wish that people could see your like hand motions on that. You were like, boom. <laughs> and guess what? I forgot I was, I forgot that there's a camera on me. <laughs> I love it. I knew this was going to happen because the camera is not on the screen. I'm using my little laptop right now. And so I, I forgot that. that you could see my face or features. So I'm going to hide behind my shield now. Well, <laughs> I, I, I just realized that I also need to actually have my. I need to talk into the microphone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, somewhere between 70 and 90 million years ago, mountains are formed. Then 10,000 to 6,000 years ago is when the archaic hunter-gatherer ancestors of the Apache, the Sioux, and the Ute and Blackfoot tribes begin to appear in the Rockies. So 
Prior to the 1500s, that's when the Europeans start to arrive. The Apache, the Sioux, and the Blackfoot tribes, uh, that's where they call that's where they call their home. And there's proof that these tribes hunted you know, like mammoths. Like that's how long they've been there. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. So they, they and then they use this method that is so crazy because there's this so they would they would do like called uh cliff hunting or uh it was also called uh, a bellows and what they would do is a a member of the tribe or one of the hunters would put a skin of a buffalo hide like put a put a buffalo hide on their back and lay down in the grass away from where the other buffalo were uh-huh. and then they would start to make the bellow of a injured calf and it would attract the attention of the buffalo. And as they started to go over, as they would start to approach this calf, the dude would get up with this skin still on his back and would take off running towards the cliffs. Oh, wow. And he, and he knew where the cliffs were. And yeah. so he would stop and the buffalo would just keep running. Oh, The ones wow. that were chasing after. And then, boom, beef is what's for dinner is now at the bottom <laughs> of a cliff. And it's funny because there's actually a cliff around here. I'm not going to give the name of it because it's a really popular, well, it's not a popular hiking spot. Um, it's a hidden spot that's full of copperheads and rattlesnakes. But uh, it's it's known as a place where this guy had taught his dog to chase deer off the edge of this cliff. Huh. And then it's named after his dog because one day a deer juked him and the dog fell off. Oh. And uh, yeah, so, but it's uh, named after him. Okay, so the 1540s roll around, and that's when our, our boy Francisco Vasquez de Coronado uh, becomes one of the first Europeans to reach the Rocky Mountains. And with them, he brought wonderful things like horses, metal tools, rifles, and of course, disease. I was about to say, smallpox. <laughs> <laughs> so then... Uh, Fast forward a little bit to 1793, and that's when Sir Alexander Mackenzie uh, becomes the first European to actually cross the Rockies. And then hot on his heels uh, was the Oregon Trail in 1811 to 1840. Uh, the Oregon Trail, for you all know, is a trail used by fur trappers and people also migrating west. That crosses the Rockies in Wyoming and Idaho. Then... Our boys, Lewis and Clark, become the first scientific exploration of the mountain region in 1840, May of 1840, in fact. A little more perspective, you know, Utah, uh, Salt Lake City is part of the Rockies. That's established in 1847. Uh, 1858, gold is discovered in modern-day Colorado, starting the Pikes Peak Gold Rush, which later became known as the Colorado Gold Rush. And this was also the same year that Denver was established as a city. So then coming up on one of my favorites here and just kind of a little, little, little reminder for everyone. So in 1872, that's when Yellowstone National Park in Wyoming was created. And then this is what I always like to mention is as, as a reminder, and this is coming straight from Wikipedia, a large magma chamber beneath Yellowstone has filled several times and caused the surface to bulge only then empty into a series of volcanic eruptions of ballist of uh, balsadic and lava and ash. Yeah, I'm going to leave it like that. Please. <laughs> Three such cycles have occurred in the past two million years, the most recent of which occurred about 600,000 years ago. The magma chamber is currently filling again, and the land surface in Yellowstone is rising and tilting a certain amount, a little bit more each year. Ah, 
Oh, great. <laughs> yes, as a, as a reminder, 2024, Yellowstone. Stop! Um, <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, and just like one little, just, little, just to kind of give people an idea, I mean, it is, here we are, it's the largest mountain range, you know, it's got, we're talking Denver, Salt Lake City, all this stuff. Still, for it to be as big as it is, it it's it has a four people per ten square mile uh, density. Jeez. Yeah, only four people per ten square miles in the Rockies. So it's a very sparsely populated area out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not as not as in depth, but I think people will understand why I wasn't yeah. as in depth uh, <laughs> once they hear your story, of which I only knew a little bit of. And uh, just kind of saw a couple of things. I had, you know, I, I kind of had to look at a couple of things to, you know, get it to to to, to write the the intro. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I've got to stop. I've got to stop. I've got to stop. So, uh, so yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for this one. <laughs> dun dun dun. As yes. I do my like evil villain hands. <laughs> well, now, now I get to actually see the you. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. All right. Well, so I figured, by the way, that since we're both shell-shocked humans, we could definitely deal with something that wasn't A, murder-related, or B, missing person-related, as much as I love those two things. But, you know, (laughs) shit's been going down in the U.S., and I'm depressed. So, (laughs) yeah, we're going to find a lighthearted story. Well, there was still sad parts, so... (laughs) Yes, there Fuck are. Fucking of course. <laughs> Naturally. But um, today, we I'm going to cover something that I first saw about on BuzzFeed Unsolved, I think back in 2018. Um, and that is Forest Fen's Treasure. <laughs> first, we're going to start out with Forrest Fen himself, a little bit on his background, his life, all that good stuff, which... I think actually takes up a good chunk of the story, but it's okay. We still got plenty about the treasure. So Forrest Fenn was born on August 22nd, 1930 to Lily Simpson Fenn and William Marvin Fenn. Um, Forrest grew up in Temple, Texas, where he was the middle child with an older brother named Skippy, who was born in 1928, and a younger sister named June, born in 1932. So they literally stuck to that two years apart, apparently. Um, he attended grade school at Lanier High School, or not high school, Lanier School, uh, where his father was actually the principal at the time while he was at Lanier. Um, and Forrest later attended middle school at Central Junior High. Uh, growing up, Forrest and his family would spend their summers in Yellowstone National Park. The family would load up into their 1936 Chevy to make their drive from Temple, Texas to Yellowstone, which would take around... 45 hours to travel the 1600 miles the fuck yeah 45 hours but that's because they were only driving 35 miles per hour the whole way right (laughs) right i was like i would just give up on that damn road trip 45 hours yeah (laughs) can you imagine like just like just I don't know. You might as well just walk it. That's all I have, to say. have you ever seen? I can't. It's it's. It might be a Ken. Uh, what's his name? Ken Burns. It yeah. might be one of his documentaries, but it's about the it's about the race across the United States, the first race ever, 
or the first oh, the first guy that, to drive I know across. What you're talking about, yeah, yeah like yeah. this guy was just like dared, and yeah. like I bet you can't go from California to New York before I can get there on a train or something like that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean it's just like uh, the nightmare, and, and it wasn't that long ago. No, no, <laughs> it wasn't. But it's a crazy story. But anyway, sorry, <laughs> please. Anyway. While spending his childhood and teen years there, Forrest came to really love fly fishing and hiking in the mountains of Yellowstone and really became, a, you know, an outdoorsy type kid. He attended high school at Temple High School, and he also met his high school sweetheart and future wife, Peggy Jean Proctor, during that time. Oh, my gosh, it was burnt. <laughs> <laughs> You, you know what's funny? Leave I it. can't. I, I don't know if this. I don't know if this made it into the episode or not. But you burped in uh, during the regional monster roundup episode one time, <laughs> and and you said I burped and I didn't hear it. And I'm the guy with the headphones on editing stuff, and so I ran it back like numerous times, and I was just like, I can't remember if I left it in because I think I might have taken it out because you couldn't hear you burp. <laughs> You're disappointed, and so it was like, well, you just sound like a crazy person. <laughs> Uh, or it sounds like I didn't know what I was doing editing. Like, that's my norm. I sound like a crazy person. But trust me, there's plenty of people who've told me I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to editing. <laughs> I can't imagine anybody being prouder of his in-laws than I am, ladies and gentlemen, the Carter family. After high school, at 19 years old, Forrest briefly attended Texas A&M University for about, guess guess how long he was there? Like a week? Nope. Shorter. <laughs> a day? Four days. Until wow. the registrar caught on to the fact that he hadn't actually officially enrolled into classes. So he was just chilling around oh, wow. on campus for four days, you know. <laughs> <sighs> So Forrest then enlisted in the U.S. Air Force and was sent to tech school in Biloxi, Mississippi to study radar mechanics and later was accepted into the pilot training school. Um, Forrest and Peggy dated for several years during this time and were married in December of 1953 after he finished his pilot training and Peggy finished her degree. Well, in the U.S. Air Force, Forrest was stationed not only in the U.S., but also in Europe and Asia. Um, he flew several different aircraft, including the Beechcraft T-6 Texan trainer, um, a Lockheed T-33 trainer, an F-86D Sabre, an F-100C Super Sabre, an F-100, F-100C Super Sabre, F-100D Super Sabre, and it says in quotations, most of the later jets at the time, whatever that hmm. means. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. So he flew a lot of shit, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Forrest also went through helicopter school and was a general's aide while in the Air Force. In the aftermath of the Cold War, probably in the late 1950s, it says, um, which I thought the Cold War was still going on into the 80s. Did I miss that? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what that's about then. Um, <laughs> it says that Forrest flew the F-100C during nuclear alert missions in Germany under the U.S. Air Force Strategic Air Command also known as SAC. When the Vietnam War broke out, Forrest flew 328 combat missions in F-100D Super Sabre jets, um, and he was actually shot down twice, including his second-to-last mission, and he became the 15th, 1500th airman rescued during the Vietnam War. 
and was extracted by a Air Rescue Service Jolly Green Giant helicopter named the Candy Ann. I don't know why that's notable, but it was, apparently, to him. So, Forrest Finn was awarded a Silver Star, three Distinguished Flying Crosses, a Bronze Star, 16 Air Medals, a Purple Heart, and the Vietnamese Cross of Gallantry, it says unofficially, for his service in Vietnam. So he was actually pretty, like, well-decorated as a result of being there. After retiring from the Air Force, uh, Forrest decided to take quite the turn and entered the world of art and sculpting. Um, So Forrest then, like I said, after retirement, opened the Aerosmith Fenn Gallery with his partner Rex Aerosmith. But that gallery later actually became Fenn Galleries, which he operated with his wife Peggy. Um, the gallery was located in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and sold a variety of... And this is where I have a big problem with this. So, <laughs> uh, the gallery sold a variety of, it says, Native American artifacts, paintings, bronze sculptures, and other art, including forged copies of works by Modigliani, I guess, uh, Monet and Degas, and other artists. So, like, he's selling forged copies? Like, known forgeries? I don't get that. Like, <laughs> yeah. How can you? Like, that's problematic in itself. Oh, by the way, he's selling Native American artifacts and paintings and bronze. Co- like, listen, exactly. I'm all about a good art gallery. But one, why are you stealing from First Nations people? And two, why are you selling forgeries? Like, who does that shit? <laughs> I, I, I used uh-huh. to work in that area. And, uh. And yeah, it was like you could you could feasibly yeah. accidentally like stumble across pottery and 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 in in a place that's been walked over and then looked at a million times, you could oh, eventually totally somehow like oh yeah. kick over some accidental pottery. So yeah, and you're like oh my god, you know. So I could only imagine what it was like right? before anyone had any morals. Like, before leave no trace outdoor ethics came along oh my god well and here's the best part so that gallery reportedly grossed six million a year that's insane wow did he probably give back to first nations people you know he didn't (laughs) so Um, anyways on a bright note for me i guess because that made me so angry yeah. The art gallery did not go without its own scandal, of course, um, and Finn came into conflict with authorities over federal antiquities law during Operation Cerebus and FBI agents. It was like <laughs> some kind of operation they did on art and stuff. But FBI agents raided his home in 2009 as a part of an investigation into artifact looting in the Four Corners area. Um, so, hey, by the way, you know, I just said he was selling Native American artifacts, so there you go. Gotta get him somewhere. Items in his possession reportedly included pieces of chain mail from the Pecos National Historic Park, human hair, a feathered talisman, and a bison skull, some of which were confiscated by federal authorities. However, because... Some of which. Because he's a white man. No charges were ever filed. Wow. Of course. Um, And two other people that were targeted in this case, like in this operation, actually died by completing suicide. And not, like, Fenn didn't know them, but he blamed the FBI for their deaths. So, 
Jesus. Like, listen, if they're going to do it, they're going to do it. Like, <laughs> just saying. Maybe don't sell sketch, or not sketch, but, you know, stolen Native American artwork and shit. I'm just saying. So, anyways. <laughs> All right. I'll quit being judgmental, maybe. Um. So, <laughs> sure. on to the whole treasure hunt and all that good stuff okay <laughs> so in i'm telling you i'm like all over the place <laughs> no because i mean no this story i mean and again i don't mean to keep interrupting with it but no. like this story is all over the it fucking really place. is and that's what like when i was trying to like outline this and like get it down and stuff and i'm like okay so like i gotta start out with this and then move to this and this and this and it's like oh god so the start of the treasure hunt idea Yay. Yay. So in 1988, Forrest was actually diagnosed with lymphoma. And usually this is a terminal diagnosis. And it led him to consider what life meant to him and the legacy he would like to leave behind if he lost his battle to cancer. So Forrest actually eventually beat the cancer. And it left him for, you know, searching for something more to life. During his battle with lymphoma, Forrest was actually in the process of selling over his art gallery and started to look on for his next adventure. So Forrest decided he was going to share his passions for adventuring and seeking new experiences with the world and wrote his book entitled The Thrill of the Chase. So Forrest actually self-published his book through his own publishing company, One Horse Land and Cattle Company, on January 1st. Oh, I got the date wrong. I put 2020. It was 2010. Um, <laughs> within a poem... In his book um, was location of treasure hidden by him, a treasure containing gold, rare items, and other treasures in a bronze treasure chest with the value of the chest being estimated to be as high as $2 million. Like I said, it's said to be a bronze box estimated to have been forged in the 12th century. Chest features a bronze construction with a wood liner and locking front clasp. According to Finn, it weighs about 22 pounds and its dimensions are 10 by 10 by 5 inches um, the chests feature scenes and reliefs with knights scaling walls on ladders and maidens above throwing flowers down upon them so you know like that old like knight chain armor bullshit or whatever i don't know what is that <laughs> yeah from the 1100s <laughs> yeah god it's just my it's I mean, I guess. Fuck. I mean, if if you make six mil a year, if you clear six right? mil a year on your store, you know, you could have a box full of two million dollars worth of shit. Yeah. I guess. Well, and he used to say he didn't steal it. Like he did the Native American artifacts. Oh. Oh. Burn. Anyways. Yeah. So this style of work appears to be references to the La Roman de la Rose poem about the pursuit of love and scaling the castle of love. Um, which gained popularity huh. around the same time the chest was made. Um, because of the popularity of the treasure hunt, artists have even made modern recreation, recreations based on Fenn's chest that he owned. Um, the chest was hidden somewhere within the Rocky Mountains, and with its secret burial, the greatest treasure hunt in modern American history was born. Do -do. Not long after the publication and release of Forrest's book, Word of the treasure started to quickly spread. At one point, Finn estimated that about 350,000 people had been on the hunt for his treasure, which was located somewhere within the Rocky Mountains. 
people soon began the search through the Rockies, through that range, um, from Idaho to Montana to Wyoming, Colorado, and all the way down to New Mexico. Um, which, uh, by the way, I didn't realize that the Rockies went all the way down to New Mexico. Yeah, and that's that was something that I was interested in when we were talking about it. Yeah. Because um, when we were first talking about what you were going to do, was because I used to work in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. Oh, okay. Which, which I believe are kind of where they peter out, kind of kind of like south. an offshoot of them. Yeah, like well, okay. well, it's like it, it's it's like I think it is like it turns into the plains going south from. There. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, like the Sangre de Cristos, the Blood of Christ Mountains. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Blood always, Christ is the just... the Blood of Christ. Oh, song... okay, cool. <laughs> The Sangre de Cristo, the mm-hmm. Blood of Christ Mountains. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, um, and that's where Ted Turner owns a bunch of his property as well, is in that down that area. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that's kind of where they peter out, is at the end there. Many actually, like many people that went on the hunt, actually searched in the southernmost stretch of the Rockies to no avail. Um, and a lot of them cited the fact that this area would be closest to where Finn himself was. He was an older gentleman. They didn't figure he would bury it too far from him. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> he might have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the search for Finn's treasure wasn't without its own controversy and heartache. And that's so you remember I was like, oh, I'm going to tell a nice lighthearted story about a treasure hunt and yada, yada. And but... all that. This is where it starts to take a bad turn, y'all. <laughs> um, so, controversy and heartache. Um, as a result of this treasure and the ensuing hunt for it, five people would end up dying in its search, and two lawsuits would plague not only Finn, but his estate after his eventual passing. And as a result of the deaths, the chief of the New Mexico State Police made a public plea to Finn to end the treasure hut, stating he's putting lives at risk. Prior to it being found, which, spoiler, it was found, if you didn't know already, (laughs) there were actually five deaths, which sucks. So, Mm -hmm. to start out with, before we get into death, you know, here's some of the actual controversies that surrounded the search and, like, some, like, not totally legal things that happened as a result of it. In 2013, in New Mexico, an unidentified man searching for the treasure was arrested and charged with damaging a cultural artifact for digging beneath an iron cross of a Descanso. Descanso? Am I saying that right? Yeah. (laughs) Sure. I can't pronounce anything today. Near the Pecos River. So I guess it was a grave site he was digging at. And, Hmm. you know, it's kind of not good to do that. Obviously, Jesus. In April 2014, National Park Rangers detained Daryl Seller and Christy Strawn for having a metal metal detector and digging in Yellowstone National Park while searching for the Fen treasure. And on May 9th of that same year, Park Rangers accused the couple of camping without a permit and starting a small fire. Next up, we have Scott Conway, who was cited by New Mexico State Parks officers. Doesn't give the year after he dug a large hole on state land near Heron Lake um, while looking for the Fen treasure. In October of 2018, a Pennsylvania man named Robert Miller was arrested for burglary, breaking and entering, and criminal property damage because Miller broke into Fenn's property, like his actual home area, 
and was hauling away a Spanish-style chest he thought was the treasure. (laughs) And he was caught in the act and held at gunpoint until law enforcement arrived. I really hope it was Forrest that held him at gunpoint. It doesn't mean, like, again, living in that area and around there does not surprise me if it was him. But I have held him at gunpoint (laughs) at all. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a child as well. Like, what? (laughs) A small kid walking around with yeah. a handgun. I mean, please, yeah, exactly. mister. This is America. <laughs> this is America. That's Childish Gambino song at that end. Oh, yes. It's on repeat in my brain. <laughs> the last little controversy before we dip into the really awful stuff. Um, in January of 2020, David Christensen of Indiana had to be rescued by Yellowstone National Park Rangers after he attempted to repel over a 850 feet from a rope tied to a railing into the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone. Um, as a result of his stupidity, because that's all it was, um, he was one of those, what is it, the Torons? Taurus Morons? Have you yeah, seen that? Yeah. <laughs> Have you oh, seen yeah. that Instagram account? Yeah. He was oh, a yeah. Toron. Um, so as a result, he was ordered to spend a week in jail and pay rescue costs of just over $4,000. Um, he also received a five-year ban from the park. And he did all this, and he completely disregarded Fen, like Fen's remarks that there was no climbing required to find the treasure. Uh, I, I, saw, I saw that there was no climbing required in something, yeah. and I couldn't remember what it was in reference to. But the, the other term that I like to use, and, and, and this was said to me by a, a college professor, we were in the White Mountains in the wintertime doing, mm-hmm. a, doing a winter backpacking and winter ice climbing trip for, for a class. And uh, these people showed up and it was, I mean, I mean, it was freezing. A nor'easter was coming in. Yeah. Um, I was well prepared. I worked at REI. I had everything I needed and I was still freezing cold in this, uh, in this side, this little shelter. Yeah. And we saw them doing something wrong. And it was one of those situations where it was like we wouldn't be able to help because of like how bad the snow was and all this stuff. Yeah. And 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 our professor, we we were like, hey, they're there, and he just was like, no, recreational Darwinism. <laughs> and we're like, what? And he's like, recreational Darwinism. They have to learn yep. for themselves. Why are people so dumb? <laughs> hmm. I know, right. but the, yeah. But how dumb am I, though? <laughs> True. Anyway. Um, by the way, also, Christensen actually remained convinced at his sentencing, like, so when he was sentenced for doing this stupid shit, um, that his solution was the correct solution. <laughs> Even though Finn's like, nah, y'all, you ain't got to climb. Um, he was like, no, I know that I'm correct. And it's like, Jesus, no. <laughs> oh. So, fun times, fun times. God. God. So now we're going to go into the kind of sad part, in my opinion, which is the deaths that surround this. So I was hoping for, you know, like I said, a good old fashioned happy go lucky, happy go lucky treasure hunt um, because, you know, life has been rough lately on all fronts and I still get death. So, yay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> First up, we have. Randy Bilyeu, and Randy actually went missing in January of 2016. 
and was found deceased in July of that same year. Um, his body was discovered by workers along the Rio Grande. Rio, is it Rio Grande or Rio Grande or? I, uh, it's, I think it's Rio Appalachian, Grande. Appalachian. I no, think okay. like, I think like we'd say Rio Grande and they'd probably be like Rio Grande. <laughs> They're like, you dumb bitch. It's this. Okay. Yeah. So I will say the Rio Grande. Big river. Um, and an autopsy could not determine his cause of death, death, unfortunately. Um, I'm going to say probably drowning more than likely if he was found at the river or in the river or something. But that's just my determination, not the actual, you know, mm-hmm. one. Um, and Bill Yu's wife, ex-wife, actually publicly stated that her belief that the Fen treasure was a hoax. So she thought that the treasure hunt was all a big hoax and it led to, you know, her ex-husband's death. Yeah. So uh, do you know where that is? That where where he was well, where he started was the bridge in Taos, New Mexico. Uh huh. That's that guy, right? Uh yes, I yeah. believe so. Okay, uh-huh. sorry, I think I'm correctly. Yes. I, again, I read way more of this than I should, and I, I should. <laughs> You're like, but, is um, it this one? <laughs> but you know, um, so yeah, so where where that guy started down and i just know this from from uh from again living around there uh Uh working around there that's the scene in uh natural born killers Uh uh-huh when they get married on that bridge you know and they like slit their hands and her her veil falls off and then like it just kind of spins down that's the river that's the bridge that goes over the the, over the rio Grande. oh okay and so you park there there's a couple places on either side of the park and i think there's one place you can actually walk down oh okay and uh yeah yeah that's where he parked Yeah, that's where he parked and went down that way. Oops. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't work out for him, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Natural Born Killers, check it out, kids. God, I haven't watched that forever. I'm going to have to watch that again, too. Yeah. On June 9th, 2017, Jeff Murphy, age 53, of Batavia, Illinois, was found dead in Yellowstone National Park. And this was a result of the fact that he fell about 500 feet down a steep slope. Um, Yellowstone officials did not provide details to the public concerning their investigation. A station, I guess, out of that area where he was found or whatever, KULR-TV, they actually filed a Freedom of Information Act request about the investigation. And they also reported that the TV station, that Murphy's wife told park authorities that he was looking for the treasure when she first reported him missing. So I guess he had come in was looking for it like he when he came in he let it let his wife know where he was what he was doing and then when he didn't contact her back within x amount of time that's when she you know reported him missing and then unfortunately he was found deceased after he fell down a big old hill so, it's crazy yeah so like people get crazy over this shit and it's sad but i mean i get it like i get why you'd be so excited and especially if you're like really determined and really think you can find it but like yeah. at the same time, it's like I mean, it's with hiking or anything like that. You got to know your limits, right? Yeah. It's yeah. It's like with anything in life. I just use hiking because you know we both hike. But it, you got to know your limits. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. You can't really try to push way past your limits without expecting consequences. So there's Nikki's you know soap soapbox of glory again for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's just it's just crazy to think yeah you know, like like he estimated three hundred fifty thousand people at one point in yeah. time and it's like yeah uh, 
and I'm sure people just said that lived around there, the people, the four people who live in every 10 square miles uh, around there, like, we're like, I could check it out, you know? Yeah. And, and, and then probably, you know, tried, and then we're like, ah, the same yeah, for me. Guy, but like, you know, like the couple that continuously gets you know, illegal parking, uh, camping permit uh, uh, mm-hmm. tickets and setting fires. And it's just like, ah, you know, it just, you know, it just consume people. You could just see the, the like Kevin Spacey notebooks from yeah. seven written on and stacked yeah. up. What's just, like, in the trying box? To out where, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just like, you know, how many times do you think you would have read that book and oh god yeah oh and how many people like just bored every single family member every year at every single like so what what are you doing these days steve well uh i'm still looking for the tread oh fuck steve's still looking for the treasure next up we have pastor paris wallace of grand junction colorado um he told family members that he was searching for a buried treasure um but he failed to show up for a planned family meeting on june 4th 2017. So I don't know how long it was between he told them about doing this and that meeting um, because I couldn't find that. Um, And his car was found parked near the Tau Junction Bridge. So that's the one you were thinking of was this. Oh, yeah. And his body was found five to seven miles downstream of the Rio Grande um, from where his car was parked. So that's the one you were thinking about for it. So there was two that went in at the Rio Grande, unfortunately. I'll just edit it and put it there. It's okay. I really I was, I was like ah, well no but that's... there's two of them so that's where it's like oh, okay it's like, oh okay that's oh, where okay, I'm gotcha, 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 gotcha. all right so next up we have on July 28th 2017 Eric Ashby age 31 was found dead in Colorado's Arkansas River and this is the one that it's like good gosh like you went to the extreme um, friends and family stated that he had actually moved to Colorado in 2016 with the main one of the main reasons was to look for the treasure. And he was actually seen last seen on June 28th of 2017 rafting on the river. So on the Arkansas River in Colorado, 10 to 15 miles upstream from where his body was found. Apparently the raft had overturned and Ashby had been missing since that time. So he was missing for a whole month before he was found. So um, I have. Here's a question I have, and and yeah. I don't know if you saw anything about this, but like they know it's an old man with leukemia, right? Uh, yeah, you would think. Like, <laughs> I mean, and, but but my, I guess my question is, I mean, I guess is it strictly say that he placed the the treasure, and, and and I guess I'm wondering, did he place it many years before, and he's just now telling people about it? Well, so. Right before he published the book is when he buried the treasure. So he published the book January 1st, 2010. And it was literally just like a month or two before publishing okay. that he did. All right. So on to our last death, or at least last known death related to yeah. this. Yeah. Um, we have in March or on March 21st, 2021, Michael Wayne Sexton, age 53 of Deer Trail, Colorado, was found dead by rescuers. Alongside his unnamed 65-year-old male companion, who his companion lived, later recovered in the hospital, and he was actually later named as Stephen Inlow. Um, so Stephen lived, Michael died. That sounded really cold. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah, hey. Um, authorities were notified by the person who rented a pair of snowmobiles to the men that, hey, my snowmobiles have not made it back. I think something may be wrong. 
Um, and the pair were actually discovered within five miles of a site they had been rescued from a month earlier near Dinosaur National Monument along the Utah-Colorado border. So they had previously been searching for it and I guess got lost or something happened and had to be rescued from the same site where Michael died a month later. And I guess that something happened or they got lost again. I'm like, are yeah. you freaking kidding me, y'all? Come on. You know, when the second call came in, there's no way in hell they were rushing. They're like, oh, here God we go. dang it. <laughs> All right, guys. I'll meet you down at the station in like uh, 30, 40. All right. Uh, yeah, no, I'll be yeah, there yeah, take, take your time, folks. It's, it's, it's Steve again or whatever his name is. Hey, spoiler alert. Somebody died that time, pal. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They were like, yeah, well, you know. Uh, recreational Darwinism, folks. Some... <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Cot so... Cotton kills. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we're out of the deaths. Thank God. No more death talk. <laughs> Here no. come the paralyzations. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Here come the paraplegics and quadriplegics. No, we're not getting into that. Thank God. Although I'd say there were quite a few because like when I said like the controversies and stuff. Like, it mainly was people who got ticketed and whatnot. I would hate to know how many people got actually, like, injured. Like, we're not yeah. talking, like, cuts and scrapes and stuff, but, like, broke a leg or did this or that. Like, we know yeah. the one guy that got rescued, but, like, how many people actually injured themselves doing this is my question. And, and, and it's probably, I mean, and it's it's not on the same level as this, but it's it's up there the same thing as, like, getting something up your butt and having to come up with a story of how something's up your butt <laughs> at, the, at, at, the, at the ER. <laughs> It's like, are you going to really tell somebody you're out hunting treasure? <laughs> you know, you come in with like a fractured tibia and you're like, uh, what happened? I was hiking. Like, there's no way in hell you're saying I was, oh, for one, you don't want anybody else to know about the treasure. No. Two, you don't want anybody to think you're hunting for treasure. <laughs> like, I'm on treasure hunt. Sir, yeah. you're 37. <laughs> Ma'am, you're 48. Really? This is an Arby's. This is not. It's not the Rockies. Oh gosh! <laughs> All right. So next up, we get to lawsuits. Yay! Oh god! <laughs> this oh, fucker. God. They're fucking weird too. All right. So in <laughs> December 2019, David Harold Hansen of Colorado Springs, Colorado, filed a lawsuit in U.S. District Court against Forrest Fenn. The lawsuit alleges that Fenn made several fraudulent statements and deceived searchers. Although Hanson, Hanson attempted to reopen it, the case was closed. So he was basically saying, oh, you've, you've like totally like faked us all out and blah, blah, blah is what he was doing. Uh, okay, he was pissed he couldn't find it. <laughs> then right. in July 2021, so this is after Forrest actually passed away, a French treasure hunter named Bruno Raffos filed a $10 million lawsuit against Fenn's estate in the United States District Court for the District of New Mexico. And according to the complaint, Raffos had determined that the treasure was hidden in southwestern Colorado, informed Finn of his solution, and began making preparations to retrieve it. However, his plans were delayed by the COVID-19 pandemic. Soon after, I guess, the pandemic went into full-scaled mode there, Finn announced soon afterward that the treasure had been found, and I'm not going to tell you where. So, Raffos contended that Finn took advantage of the delay caused by COVID to move the chest from Colorado to the place where it had, was found, noting that its exact final location had not been specified by Finder or any of Finn's relatives. 
And I think a part of his lawsuit, too, is that he, he said that he sent, like, several texts and emails to Finn um, with, like, the exact coordinates and this and that and tried. He actually names the finder in his lawsuit, stating that he was a part of this. Now we move on, finally, to the treasure being found. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Hooray. So on June 6, 2020, Finn posted the following article on his searcher blog quote it was under a canopy of stars in the lush forested vegetation of the rocky mountains and had not moved from the spot where i hid it more than 10 years ago i do not know the person who found it but the poem in my book led him to the precise spot i congratulate thousands of people who participated in the search and hope they will continue to be drawn by the promise of other discoveries so the search is over look for more information and photos in the coming days, end quote. So finally, after a decade of searches by thousands of people, Forrest Fenn's treasure was found. Yay! Yay. So later on in a news article, Fenn actually disclosed that the finder was a male from the eastern United States. He actually sent a photograph to Fenn of the treasure to prove that, hey, I found it. Um, the identity of the finder, the photograph, and the location of the treasure were not initially revealed. Then on June 16th of 2020, so 10 days later, Ben actually released additional photos on the Thrill of the Chase blog site of himself examining the contents of the chest and one of it sitting in weathered condition on or near the site where it was found. On July 22nd, Ben stated that on on the Thrill of the Chase blog site, that the treasure's finder had authorized him to disclose, in the interest of closure for many of its searchers, that it had been hidden and found in Wyoming in Yellowstone National Park. Which, I mean, honestly, if you knew about, like, his background and how much time he spent in Yellowstone growing up, like, duh, of course, that makes complete sense. <laughs> right. And, and you know, I didn't actually, I, 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 I knew the state, but I didn't know, I didn't, and I did not know that whenever I made that joke about the whole Yellowstone 2020, 24th. Oh, really? I, I did not know it was found in Yellowstone. I knew it was found in Wyoming. That's all I knew. Oh, okay. Well, guess yeah, what? Yes, so that, that's Yellowstone. a surprise. It goes all the way to the top, Nikki. It goes all the way at the top. One other thing that I forgot to put in here. So, do you know what medium.com is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, on medium.com, I believe it was like, Right after Forrest Finn died, because he actually died in later in 2020, um, an article came out. So Medium, if you're not familiar, dear listener, uh, Medium.com is actually anybody can post on there. Post like stories and articles and all that good stuff, right? So an article came out on Medium by someone who, one, claimed that they found the treasure, had pictures of the treasure. And really what it was, it was kind of like an ode to Forrest Finn. And the person that he was, and that, you know, even in the short time he knew him, he quickly became friends with him because of this and blah, blah, blah. It's a pretty good little article, and I've actually read through it real quick, and I was like, oh, that's nice. All that to say that in December of 2020, a gentleman by the name of Jack Stoof, a medical student from Michigan, revealed finally that he was the person that found Ben's treasure. And he actually decided to disclose his identity by going public in an interview with Outside Magazine. So initially, he had preferred to stay anonymous due to safety reasons. But the lawsuit by Bruno Raffos, 
was expected to reveal his identity anyways, so he went ahead and decided to reveal it on his own terms instead of having a lawsuit breaking out. One thing, though, that Stoof will not reveal is where exactly in Wyoming the treasure was finally found. And he does this as a way to kind of help preserve the wildlife there and prevent others explorers from, you know, following his trail, which one could be dangerous and two just, you know, leave no trace. So doesn't want a lot of people like trampling through there. I'm going to assume it probably was, you know, obviously off the beaten path of whatever trail or whatever he maybe took to get to it. So, right. I mean, just think about all the morons who traveled to the, uh, the bus where the, the, (laughs) my least favorite book of, into the wild, yeah, into the wild or whatever it's called, yeah. You know they took the bus out finally, yeah, and that and that was, as I was to say is they finally had to do that because so many people were dying trying to cross a river, it swells up so bad and stuff. Anyway, and so yeah, you know the exact same thing would have happened if he'd given away the exact location. People oh yeah, would have just trampled through that place and give yeah exactly yeah, totally. Exactly. Stoof revealed that two small items indicated in. Pre-find publicity were not present in the chest. So I guess there was like a list that Finn had created of what would be in the treasure chest. Um, And those two items were, one, a small gold frog on a necklace (laughs) and a Spanish emerald ring found at San Lazaro. And when Stoof actually notified Forrest about the two missing items, Forrest located the frog within his own collection and presented it to Stoof. However, Forrest was not able to find the missing emerald ring. Uh, I'm pretty sure I would rather have the frog anyways, but that's just me. <laughs> Since finding the treasure, Stoof has moved to a more secure building with guards and multiple levels of security. That's his own statement um, in order to protect himself. And he doesn't have the treasure in his actual possession where he lives. And says that the treasure for the time is being kept in a vault in New Mexico where it will remain until he ends up selling it. So, by the way, not fair that he's a med student. Like, once he's a doctor, he's going to make hella money anyways. So, like, <laughs> come on now. Anyways. But that is the story of Forrest Fenn's treasure, and we done with it. <laughs> wow. So, I told you, it's, like, wow. so over all over the place. It's, like, loop-de-loop-de-loop-de-loop. It's, like, insanity. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of um, kind of... Uh, did you ever hear of or do geocaching? I tried it for like a hot second, and then I was like, it's too chaotic for my ass. <laughs> it yeah. really, like, it's yeah, so like... cool, and it's neat, but it's just, it's, yeah, it's too chaotic for me. I only did, like, a couple of times. We went to a couple of different places in a day, mm-hmm. and this was back when, like, you had a GPS in your yeah. hand. You weren't doing it by phone or anything like that, and... So you were just using a GPS to get to these coordinates and you were like having to actually look for wherever this thing would be hidden. Yeah. And, uh, and for people that don't know, it's just like you find out where the coordinates are on a website. And this is the way it used to be. Yeah. And um, find out where the coordinates are, put them into your GPS, you go to where you think you're closest to it and you hike out to wherever it is. And there'll be like a treasure chest and inside there'll either be a registered a sign that you have been there or a trinket and like you're supposed to take a trinket leave yeah. a trinket um and uh but then i think it kind of got to the point where it's like oh people figured out that they can just steal packages off the front of your door oh people could figure out like yeah. oh there's gonna be people walking here with a 500 hundred dollar gps yeah. in their hands uh i'm just gonna hang out here and rob these people <laughs> 
<laughs> I remember that happened somewhere where I used to live and work and uh and people were just like, No, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> it's like, no thanks, I'm good. <laughs> Although there are some no, really are... cool ones that I've seen that are like literal like puzzles and stuff and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, that's like neat. But I just I literally don't oh, yeah. have the patience for it because right. I'm a Admitting a lot of personal things right now. I'm an instant gratification person. Like I right. if I want something, I want it now. I don't want to have to wait and I don't want to have to look <laughs> and I don't want to have to find it. Like give it to me now or else. <laughs> so or else I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> so I'm done. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> real quick, my sources were God bless Wikipedia. Um Wikipedia mm-hmm. article on Forrest Finn's treasure. Um, a CNN article titled The Man Who Found Forrest Finn's Treasure wanted to be anonymous. A lawsuit compelled him to go public by Scotty Andrew. Um, the Outside Magazine article, The Man Who Found Forrest Finn's Treasure by Daniel Barbarisi. Um, and then the Forrest, uh, the Finn's Treasure website. So that was my sources this week. Which, by the way, the Finn's Treasure website is, like I said, it's kind of like scattered and weird to try to follow. But it's it's good and it's really informative. But you can tell whoever did, like, the, like, the info I got about, like, his childhood and stuff. Like, somebody was, like, really, like, not to sound like an asshole, but, like, totally kissing some ass when they wrote that. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> but it, it's informative. But the Outside Magazine article is actually really good. Both of them. This one and the one I didn't use, so. Well, uh, I have no clue what next month's going to be for me. Well, this should be interesting and fun, then. Yeah. I th- I, you know, I think I, well, I just haven't really thought about it yet, but, um, you know, this is another one of those where people have ideas, uh, or, you know, throw them at us, yeah. please. I, I have a few things in mind, yeah. but, uh, but I, I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to change, <laughs> I'm willing to change y'all. I promise. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not you. It's me. <laughs> no, it's totally um, you. <laughs> 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 I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But, um, I know I've got one that I'm hardcore what to do and it's actually on that list we created but it's like at the same time i don't know how to even tackle that thing because it's gonna be a nightmare and i'm pretty sure if you go back and look at it you can guess which one it is so well i guess should we tell people where they can find us so you can find me on twitter at hey that nikki and i k k i and i'm gonna be nice you can find me on instagram under the same handle so those two things, that's all you get from me now. You get Twitter and my Insta. You You're go. welcome. I also have another podcast. Um, we're not recording the episodes currently, but it's called the Appalachian Crime Trail. If you like Appalachia and true crime, you should check it out. And you, sir? You can find me at Pox Holiday. I am on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Pox Holiday. But, and I have a podcast called the Pox and Puss Podcast. Puss and I were texting each other yesterday, talking. So, Wait, did, should um, I get excited? Can... Should I get excited? I mean, you know, there was there was somebody. This is, uh, I I cannot remember the person's name right now, but uh, but she she once said described me as like like basically like the deadbeat dad that you still love. <laughs> That like, cause he always is like, "Hey kids, I'm gonna come by this weekend. We're gonna have ya. a great time." Yeah. And then you know he never does. But then when he does, you forgive him. You're like, "Oh, it's dad. Who cares?" <laughs> it's okay. He finally put out a podcast after 13 months. Oh. 
you know so yeah so uh that's the kind of the way i'm like you know what that's that's pretty that's a great way to describe it yeah i'm podcasting's deadbeat dad that you still love um so yeah so get that much excited i'll have you know um you can always count on me for a re-listen of something from you all at some point because when i had to take that work trip uh this week what did i listen to pox and puss which one oh, the baltimore jack ones those are like still my absolute oh, favorite yeah. so yeah, um, and yeah. then of course I got in my feels, but you know, <laughs> but those, I mean, I will say this if, you know, somebody that had either a never listened to either of us before this podcast, or if you'd listened to me solely and hadn't listened to Pox's other podcast, if you want a good starting point, start at the Baltimore Jack episodes. They're great. So. Yeah, if if you're a hiker, you like that kind yeah. of stuff. If if you're not into hiking and you just want to hear people talking about stories, I always tell people to start with episode four. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I tell people to start with episode four. Everything changes in that episode. The, yeah. The, that, that that's that's that episode is where we discovered uh, it's ladies' night. Yes. Um. With uh. With uh. Oh gosh, I just forgot her name. Was I know. Her LOL. Name, LOL. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I wasn't going to say her real name. No. <laughs> and uh, so I was, I was like, oh, what's your trail name? But uh, yeah, that's where that's where everything changed, and that's where I think we figured it, things out. So the first three, you can go back and listen to them later. Yeah. But I always tell people start with episode four, yeah. go from there. And if you're a if you're a big Appalachian Trail fan, then yeah, the Baltimore Jack episodes, uh, we recorded those uh, just uh, two, no, like a little over a year, year and a half before after he before he died. Yeah. No, three three years before he passed away. Yeah. So I've got a lot of we got a lot of really great stories about the Appalachian Trail in in those two episodes. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. Any, anyway, so yeah. Anyways, from someone who's hiked the Appalachian Trail nine times. <laughs> yes, God, I still don't know how that man did that. Jesus Christ, I can't even Me get either. one in. I can't even get a section hike in. <laughs> so, so you can find us at In the Pines Pond on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So. Yay. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. So, like always, some people walk into the woods to make memories. And some people walk into the woods to be forgotten. Bye y'all. Bye.